What's it like to get away? Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. So goes the theme song, the famous theme song to Cheers. God wants everybody, everyone, everywhere to know his name. When he walks into the room, he wants everybody to shout out, Yahweh, Jehovah, has come to us. He does not want to be known as the unknown. Remember when Paul goes through Athens and he, he visits that city and sees all the temples that are there? He references the temple, the, the, the statue that is there to the unknown God, to the one without a name. Well, fair enough, it provides a nice point of reference for Paul. But Paul's business is God's business. Let me fill that in for you. Let me write the name in your hearts, the name of the one whom you need to know. God wants you to know his name, and he wants to know yours. So three things today. His name is jealous, his name is hallowed, and his name is my name too, from another children's song. His name is jealous. Okay, so did you hear that from Exodus chapter 34? His name is jealous. In my Bible, that is a jealous with a capital J, which, if we can say it honestly, seems to be a rather peculiar name for the Almighty to go by the name of jealous. But it's clearly not an accident, and it is clearly not a one-off kind of statement about God, not just something on the periphery of who he is, as we can see in the very few verses that I've read for us this morning. And they could be multiplied. I mean, I could go throughout Scripture and read verses that are just like the ones we've seen here. The idea of God as a jealous God is a core element that comprises the character of God and is integral to how he talks about himself, how he reveals himself. God is unapologetic about the fact that he is a jealous God. So, it is not as if God is in a job interview. And they say, okay, God, tell us your strengths. What are your positive qualities? Well, I'm loving kind. I'm full of loving kindness. I'm full of faithfulness. It lasts for a thousand generations. I have mercy. I have forgiveness. These are my positive sides. Okay, God, what are your weaknesses? And God responds with, well, I'm a jealous God. And I get angry, too. And I get angry for a long time, three, four generations visiting iniquity. God's not apologetic about it. God doesn't list jealousy among his negative attributes. Instead, he declares clearly and boldly when he's trying to get people, even intimate people, i.e. Moses, and this special revelation that he has with Moses. Moses, my name is Jealous. Why is my name Jealous? Because I am a jealous God. So, Converse, conversely to the idea that this would be something that God would kind of want to keep under wraps. Let's not talk about this too much. I know it's part of me, but don't talk about it. It rather is writ large. 
in, for example, the events of Exodus. The events of Exodus in terms of God's special relationship with his people and the deliverance that he affects for them against the Egyptians, and it's writ large in the events as it relates to the people themselves and their own either obedience or disobedience to what God has revealed about his name. It's writ large in words, his jealousy is, which begs, I think, a couple of questions of us. I, why is he jealous, and, and why do I need to know that? Why does Israel need to know that God is a jealous God? And here's the answer. God is jealous because God is love. You and I get jealous. Maybe there are times when it is because of love, but often our jealousy is not listed as a virtue, but rather as a vice, and our jealousy is, in fact, petty. It comes out of our own insecurities rather than confidence in who we are. That is not the case with God's jealousy. God is jealous because of love. God loves his own name. And he loves his own name because his own name is who he is. It's his identity. I am who I am. Whether you say that as Yahweh, Yahweh, Jehovah, however you want to pronounce the tetragrammaton, those four letters, and together with it, all of the other names and titles by which God refers to himself, and there are many, that is who he is, and he loves who he is, and he loves his name. And so God is jealous, God is zealous for the protection of his own name. And we ask, well, is that petty? Is it rather egocentric? Is it narcissistic of God to be so concerned about his own name? And the answer to that is no, because there is nothing better. You've reached the top. You've reached the, the, the pinnacle the omega, or if you want to start it the other way, the, the alpha, you've reached the omega of things that can be admired. And once you're at the top of the heap of things to be admired, you better admire the thing to be admired. And so God admires, God loves, God protects, God defends God's own name. But why do we need to know that God is a jealous God? jealous for his own name, jealous in his own name. Well, here's, here's a metaphor for you because you need to know this. You need to go know that when you go up and try to pet the mama bear's cub, you are taking your own life into your hands. That's the explanation of the dreadful warnings that are found both in the second commandment and then in the third commandment as well about idolatry and about taking the name of the Lord your God in vain. God has given
to Israel something indescribably, wonderfully precious. They've been in captivity for 400 years. He's taken them out, and as he gave it to Moses, then he gives it to the people, revealing himself, this particular name, and all that it means for them. By way of analogy, we can say that God has given to Israel, in giving them his name, the power of the Adam. They possess the power of the Adam, and the power of that Adam can be used for incredible blessing, or if misused, it will prove their own destruction if they misuse the gift that they have been given. And so God, in effect, says to this very young people in the faith, don't be flippant with my name. Don't take my name casually. Don't dilute my name. Don't swear falsely by my name. Don't make rash oaths and vows that have to do with my name. Don't use my name as a magical incantation. Don't mess with the mama bear's cub. Don't take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Instead, the reverse is the call, hallow the name. The name of the Lord is hallowed, which of course is how Jesus taught us to pray. The very first petition in the Lord's Prayer that we just all prayed together, hallowed be thy name. May it be made holy throughout the Bible. Countless times, literally countless times, we are called as the people of God to exalt His name, to give Him the glory that is due to His name, to praise His great and awesome name, as was in the call to worship this morning, to give thanks to His holy name. Over and over, we're called to do just that. Israel thus has a mission from God as it relates to the name. It's a twofold mission. In the first place, Israel is to be a people who are gathered together for the purpose of exalting the name in their own midst for their God. They're to come together as a worshiping people. This is the core of who they are. We are a people who comes together to exalt the name of God. And they have a second mission that relates exactly to that as well. Their second mission is to be a people who proclaim the name of God to the nations around them. So they proclaim it up, and they proclaim it out. And they proclaim it out through who they are as a people, through the way that they live, the way that they interact with the peoples around them, the way that they demonstrate wisdom so that the nations can understand that this is the name of the Lord here that is being witnessed to by this nation in our midst. They are to do this because, in words from the book of Judges, his name is wonderful. Alas, Israel would fail at her appointed task to hollow 
the name of Yahweh. Of course, you, you know the story, or at least the general outline of the story. They don't even make it through Sinai. They can't even make it through the incident of the earth shaking and everything going on before they are dishonoring the name of Yahweh. And in the passage then that we looked at in Daniel, Daniel is reflecting on their consequences or the consequences that God has levied out against them as a result of their failure to obey the commandment to honor the name, to protect the name. They haven't done it. They've sinned. They've acted wickedly. And Israel's failure at this leaves the Old Testament with this gaping wound, this bleeding hole that is in the Old Testament that says, who can stop this up? Who can actually come and effectively bear the name of God? Who will uphold the name with integrity when the appointed people fail? Who will champion the name of Yahweh? It is then unsurprising that your New Testament begins like this. Joseph, your betrothed, Mary, is going to give birth to a son, and you shall call his name Yeshua. You shall call his name Yahweh saves. Jesus is the namesake, and the namesake upheld the name. As Jesus confronted his final hours, final days, final hours on this world, in this life, he cried out, Father, glorify your name. The Father responds, I have and I will. But the concern of the Son at that hour is not for him. The glory of the Father's name is the concern that he has. And in his great prayer of John 17, he says to his Father with confidence, Jesus says, I have manifested your name to the people you gave me. I've done it. Manifested your name to them. He was killed because he claimed the name of the Father to be his. Before Abraham was, I am. That's blasphemy. That's blasphemy. Take him and kill him because he's misusing the name. And instead, of course, here's the reality. Jesus fulfills the third commandment. He does exactly which, that which Israel failed to do. He bears the name. Israel had the name on them. That's what Israel means. Striven with God and prevail. Israel had the name. They failed to bear the name well. Jesus, conversely, bears the name of God. Jesus hallows the name of God in his worship of God. Father, glorify your name. And Jesus fulfills the mission of extending and proclaiming the name. I've given your name to the ones you've given to me. 
I've done it. I've shared the name. What was his reward for obedience to the third commandment? He, Ephesians chapter 1, is seated above every name that is named. He, Hebrews chapter 1, has inherited the most excellent name. He, Revelation chapter 19, will come back. He will ride on a horse. He will be called faithful and true. He will have a name written on him that no one knows except he himself. The name that we will call him will be the Word of God. The name that will be written on his robe is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. It's a lot of names for one person to bear. In a nutshell, what was his reward for obedience to the third commandment? His Father gave him the name above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow on heaven, on earth, under the earth. Everybody bows down and hallows the name. That's the pinnacle. That's the, it, it doesn't get better than all of creation hallowing the name of Jesus. And yet, what we find when we get up to that pinnacle is we look around and we see more happening. We see other peaks rising around us. His name is jealous. His name is hallowed and wonder of wonders. His name is my name too. Here's the thing. God is jealous for his name. And because of his son, God is generous with his name. Because the son obeyed the father by keeping the father's name holy, the son says, let's share this name with everybody. Let's, let's be generous with giving out the name that is above every name. What's in the name? In front of your bulletins. John 20, you have life in the name. Acts 10, you have forgiveness through his name. You have repentance and forgiveness proclaimed in his name. We pray in his name. There is no other name given among men under heaven by which we must be saved. We have salvation in the name. Jesus earned the name for the glory of his Father and for you and for me too. Effectively, here's what you have. The Spirit is sent on a mission. When the Son accomplishes His work, when He is ascended and sits up at the right hand of God and receives the name above every name, the Father and the Son send the Spirit out on a mission. And the mission that the Spirit has is extending the name. Get the name out there. Lay it on people. Extend the family. 
and extend the family name spirit by adopting them. And the spirit goes out. So, in your life, you were baptized. Your baptism is your renaming ceremony. It is your adoption ceremony. Why? Because you are baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And you just got the name laid on you right at that point. You just took the family name of the people of God in Christ, in the Lord Jesus Christ. It becomes your name by virtue of the Spirit's work through that simple act of baptism. And it gives you a particular prerogative and a particular responsibility. You get to call God by his name, and his name to you is Father. Father, because you just got adopted into the family, into the household of God. And so Jesus, when he says, hallowed be your name, it's because he started the prayer with our Father who art in heaven. And when you're baptized, you're not baptized in the name of Yahweh and of the Son. You're baptized in the name of the Father. Your Father, Jesus' Father, become your Father. You may call Him Father. Now, parents, you know this. Kids, you know this as well. We, as parents, sometimes mess up what we call our kids, right? Forty percent of the time, Nate is Nelson. Nelson, the dog, is Nate. Lauren was called by her mother, Bri Kevlar. Brian, Kevin, Lauren. And she just thought, you know, that's my name, Brian Kevlar, uh, when it comes down. We mess up the name sometimes as parents. God, our Father, never messes up our name. He never gets it wrong. He never says it wrong. He knows your name. And that's the point that is emphasized, I don't know if you picked it up, in Exodus chapter 33, where Moses says, you call me by name, and God says this, I know you by name. I got it. Moses, neither you nor the Israelites nor us, we are not just part of the mass of humanity, not just a bunch of anonymous people gathered before God. I know you by name. I've called you by name. And then what he does is joins his name and our name together. And thus the one to whom belongs the name that is above every name is glad to be known as and identify himself with others. Think about that. In one sense, God is utterly jealous for the name, for its preservation, for its protection, for its honor. That is my name, and I will not give it to another except the ones that the Son has taken for me. To them, I'll be called the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, 
the God of Jacob, the God of Steve, the God of Lance, the God of Dan, the God of Dana. He's pleased to be known as and to introduce himself as the God of a person. He's glad for the celestial city, his celestial city, to have names written all over it. Names of prophets, names of apostles, written on the gates, written on the foundations. He's glad to have, and we won't go into this, the, the robe of the high priest as the high priest would go in, have a set of names running down the shoulders of the tribes of Israel. He's glad to lift them up on the high priest symbolically here in Jesus perfectly. Take the names in. Bring the names in on the high priest to the holy place into my presence. He is glad to take your name on his lips because he's taken your name and he's written it in the Lamb's book of life. His name is your name too. I'm indebted to Edmund Clowney for this next thought. Here's the result of that. The result of that is that while obedience to the third commandment is certainly an exercise in glorifying and exalting the name of God, it is also an exercise in self-protection because His name is our name. The more we exalt His name, the more we protect His name, the more we find benefit and blessing as well having been united to it. In love, God is jealous for his name. He is jealous for the name of his son, Jesus. Jesus hallowed the name of his father. Jesus shared the name with us. God is jealous for you out of love. You and I have become a cub. And you don't mess with the mama bear's cubs. He's jealous for us. In heaven, everybody shouts God's name. And everybody knows your name. And it will never be forgotten because it is engraved on the palm of a pierced hand of your Savior. Do not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. Let's pray.